Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Friday, February 9th. I'm Erin O'Toole. Estes Park resident Jason Van Tatenhove used to live a very different life than the one he has now. He's an artist, an author, a journalist, and a former spokesperson for the Oath Keepers, with an inside view of the far-right militia group and its subversive strategies. It was his skepticism of government and a need for adventure that initially drew him to the Oath Keepers. But when he became an insider, he knew he had to leave. Since then, he has expanded our understanding of these groups with his book, The Perils of Extremism. His testimony before Congress during the January 6th committee hearings contained a warning. I do fear for this next election cycle because if a president that's willing to try to instill and... and encourage to whip up a civil war amongst his followers using lies and deceit and snake oil, regardless of the the human impact, what else is he going to do if he gets elected again? I sat down with Van Tatenhove to discuss his former and current life. We began by talking about why Colorado has been fertile ground for extremist groups. Well, those of us who've been here for a bit, you know, I remember coming to Colorado back in the, the golden years of the 80s, and it was a very red state. You know, we saw the progression of Colorado moving from a red state to a purple state um, to now kind of a bluish purple state. And that that all kind of happened while I was growing up here in Colorado. I think anytime you have, and I've seen this in the, the, the rural areas of Kentucky, in Montana, in Idaho, uh, the Pacific Northwest, there's a cultural divide that that happens because you have people that, you know, the the main population bases kind of are sitting in these urban corridors. And the the people outside of those those corridors in the rural communities have for a couple generations now felt unheard, that their vote didn't matter, that their lifestyle, you know, the way they've grown up just didn't matter to the people in power. So you you see this this political divide um, and cultural divide between rural and urban areas. And and don't get me wrong, I I grew up in the urban areas, you know, outside of New York City and Fort Collins, you know, spent my early youth in Denver. You know, I was a a tourist. I was a transplant. I wanted to go when we moved from from Fort Collins to Montana. I wanted to see what life was like in a different culture. But I can say that, you know, there I think I even write about it in the book, the homecoming back to Colorado after this long misadventure. It, it just felt like I had to leave to to truly know that I was coming home again to Colorado, to Northern Colorado. And I'm glad that I got out and had those experiences because it's made me who I am today. And, you know, as crazy and as difficult as my life is now, I like my life. I like my life experience and I'm going to keep going with it. So a lot of us, know your name from your testimony in the January 6th committee hearings. You were 
known as the guy handling media for the Oath Keepers. For several years, you were their national media director. Tell me about how this happened. Was this something that you had envisioned for your life? I, I, <laughs> I would have never envisioned that, but, you know, forever I will be known as that Oath Keepers guy. And, you know, the family I come from is I'm not your typical militia guy, and there's just air quotes going on there. You know, I came from a very leftist family outside of New York City, kind of the remnants of the beat writers and the abstract expressionists of the 50s um, and 60s. And, you know, my grandfather was a very well-known uh, abstract expressionist and and just, you know, my grandparents were plugged into the scene. And so I was kind of raised by the remnants of all that. So it wasn't, you know, out of the ordinary to rub elbows with militants growing up. It's just they tended to be of the left-hand variety. You know, so I always grew up with a, a pretty healthy distrust of the government. And I think anyone who's paying attention has plenty of right to have that, to hold that belief. And that's kind of our job, sure. you know, as, as citizens in a democracy is, you know, accountability journalism and, you know, just questioning the the status quo and the the line coming from the government so i had no problems with that you know but on the on the other side of the coin later i would come to realize that you know racism was becoming more and more embraced as as time went on mm. well, in your book you write about working for the oath keepers and finding news stories or the conspiracy theories of the day and then shaping them to sort of advance the goals of the oath keepers could you talk about that Sure. You, you know, I will say I, I am an admitted conspiracy theory junkie. <laughs> I mean, there is just something. I think I'm not alone in that. I think a lot of Americans, we love a good conspiracy theory, whether it's UFOs or Bigfoot or, you know, there were sniper teams outside of the Bundy Ranch ready to take out the family. It's all kind of the same thing. And we it's kind of this double-edged sword where we are supposed to be curious and open-minded to what could be the truth. And, you know, there historically, we know that there are times that the truth has not been front and center in the values of our government. So that leaves a lot of wiggle room and fantastic stories. I mean, there's just something hardwired in us as a species. I think going back to the, the days we were sitting around a fire in the dark not knowing anything, you know, telling each each other stories to to explain the world and to assuage fears. I don't think we're that far off from that in an evolutionary timeline. And we're telling each other stories to try to make sense of this crazy world that we live in that no one really has the answers. Hmm. Well, if former President Donald Trump does become the Republican nominee, there are worries about how that will energize extremist groups and deepen divisions in America. From your point of view, Jason, should we be concerned? I think we all need to be worried. Again, it comes back to this notion that the truth just does not matter. But, you know, here we have a, re a reality TV show guy who has figured out this formula and the the repetition needed to basically make it to where the truth does not matter. And unfortunately, we are at a point now where we may see the demise of a functioning democracy within a year. But, but you still have hope, right? We, we can still take action? Yeah, I do. I, I, and we've got to hold on to hope. I think hope is one of the most important parts of our own personal narratives that we have to have hope. We can pull off miraculous things. So I have hope, especially seeing 
the the youth of today, you know, seeing my kids and seeing their friends and just their state of mind. It reminds me of growing up in the 80s and 90s here in Colorado. And, you know, we we fostered and manifested change here in the state of Colorado that led the way. And a lot of times it was ugly. You know, we we had to go through some pretty ugly grappling matches to get to where we are now. But you know what? I'm I'm damn proud to be here in Colorado and have grown up here and been a part of that process to bring us to where we are now. Jason Van Tatenhove, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, anytime. Like I, I told you before, I grew up listening to KUNC was part of my childhood soundtrack and, and my, my, my mother would listen to it every morning. That's amazing. That's how we like it. Get your kids involved <laughs> while they're in the backseat and can't change the station. <laughs> yep. And now my kids have to listen to my interview on KUNC. So, you know, oh, no. it's multi-generational now. <laughs> That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. Our theme music is composed by Colorado artist Robbie Reverb. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend.